Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We are back. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of Olympic Gold and Blue. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. And in this episode, we will be talking volleyball yet again. We have pit volleyball expert extraordinaire James Santelli joining me. James, thank you so much for coming back on. Absolutely, Corey. It's been a minute. Glad to be back with you. Uh, really glad to to have you to be talking about this. Uh, we missed a, a good amount of stuff in these last couple weeks, so we're going to talk all about it. So let's uh, jump right into what we missed. And what we missed are two huge matches, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the other matches. But there were two huge matches that Pitt played in the ACC. One was against Georgia Tech, currently ranked 11th. One was against Louisville, currently ranked 4th in the nation. Georgia Tech, the Panthers went down by two sets. They were down uh, two nothing in sets, and they came back and they swept three sets in a row and defeated Georgia Tech on October 6th. Then, just a week later, against Louisville, now fourth ranked in the country, the Panthers got swept. These are two of the top teams in the nation. Pitt, obviously, one of the top teams in the nation. This is going to be the kind of competition the Panthers are going to have to get used to if they want to win an ACC championship, if they want to make it back to the final four, if they want to win a national championship, what did you learn from those two matches specifically? Well, I think we learned specifically in the match against Georgia tech, that this is a young group for Pitt that still has a lot of resilience. I mean, they went down two sets to none at home to a Georgia tech team that was just, swinging incredibly well, um, getting their attack going, getting a, a lot of points and hanging neck and neck. I mean, they truly were neck and neck sets. They were 25 to 23 wins for Georgia Tech in both of those. And it would have been very easy for you know, Pitt on the opposite side to say, this is just not our night. It's not falling our way. But they were able to turn it around completely, get their block together, play sharper defense in the in the final few sets, and be able to deliver, you know, more to Olivia Babcock, who was able to notch 19 kills in the in the match, and and took on that role that it has expected from her, you know, quite early in her college career, which is to carry the offensive load, and she was able to do so and get um and help get Pitt towards that three to two win. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, a week later, an even more important match, trying to travel to Louisville and get a win against that team and unfortunately it, it the other side of resilience is that you know even even when you can come back and win against the georgia tech team 
it doesn't always mean that you're going to be you know successful in the the next go around and it's less of, of what it says about Pitt because it wasn't that Pitt necessarily you know struggled or showed a lot of you know problems in that match against Louisville it's just that Louisville is very sharp they are still a very tough team uh, tough defensively uh, they held Pitt's attack uh, to under 280, I think for the first time all season, that Pitt's attack was held as low as it was. Uh, Louisville still has Anna DeBeer as one of the top hitters in the country, top six rotation players. And it really sets up for Pitt later on in November to come back to the Pete and say, you know, what did we see out of this Louisville team? How can we improve our block against them? And really, you know, get sort of sharper angles, sharper attacks that can, uh, pick apart a Louisville defense that was keeping the ball off the floor quite well. When you look and you see that they were swept, that it was three sets to none, you, you think, well, that was dominant by Louisville. And credit to the Cardinals, they played incredibly well. But this was not a, a case of one team dominating another team. I mean, these were close sets. They were played very well. It's just that Pitt offensively didn't have everything, didn't have all the pieces together that you typically see from them. And so they're, they're probably already looking and seeing what can they do differently when they you know face each other again next month. Yeah, and, and we'll certainly talk about the rematch in that case, in both cases. But yeah, it's first when you were talking about Georgia Tech and how close those first two sets were. I mean, that's what's that's the blessing and the curse of volleyball is and and to the same extent tennis is that it doesn't matter how close you come it doesn't matter how hard you work at the end of the day you either win the set or lose the set and if you lose the set you don't get any credit nothing so it could be 25 23 doesn't matter and then same on the other end you can win a set 25 23 and it doesn't matter how close it is or if you blow the other team out uh that's just how it goes you only get credit for these sets. And so while, yeah, Pitt had to go to five sets to beat Georgia Tech, as you've mentioned, they very well could have won that in straight sets. That could have been a sweep. So playing Georgia Tech that closely and then the resilience to turn it back around, I mean, that has got to be something that makes you optimistic if you are a Pitt volleyball fan. As you were saying, this is a young team, so they don't necessarily have all these players from the last couple of years that made deep runs really big to see some of those younger players have that, that fight that bounce back in them. And we can credit coaching as well. I mean, this is yeah. certainly a credit to Dan Fisher and he's not just a coach that has, you know, program wide changed the, the culture and become a, a winning coach. Although we know he has done those things. We can see when Pitt goes down, especially two sets to none, he is not afraid to go in and, you know, make some lineup changes and try to do things differently. We, we saw a little more from uh, Chiamaka Wokolo in those last three sets against Georgia Tech and, and getting her involved in more slides, and more, more swings from her. Um, some changes in, in the back row to give Logan Mosley some opportunities, a defensive specialist, you know, keep balls off the floor in the back row and give your hitters an opportunity. Um, so, so credit to him and credit to the team for, you know, bringing that forward. And it's uh, a little bit cliche to say maybe, but credit to the crowd. Uh, it was, yeah. a, it was a great, uh, crowd in there. Fitzgerald Fieldhouse, the biggest Fieldhouse game of the season. I would say we're going to see Louisville against, uh, against Louisville at the Peterson event center, but on a Friday night at the Fieldhouse, maybe a few folks left, but the vast majority were, were staying in it. were staying loud. 
And when they got something to cheer about, it became that much harder for Georgia Tech to try to make a comeback in the later sets and 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 finish off the the match. So uh, all around, it kind of was a coalescing of what pit volleyball has become from the players to the coaching to the crowd all in one were able to push that boat out of being down zero sets to two and get a three to two reverse sweep kind of victory. It was really wonderful to see. Yeah, really cool moment, uh, especially for those fans, as you said, that they came out to that match. And then against Louisville, you sort of touched on it, but how... How good is Louisville? We'll talk later in this episode about the upcoming rematch. But Pitt, obviously, you said it was, yes, it was a sweep, but they did play them close. However, at the end of the day, Louisville just came out on top. How good are they in your estimation? Right now, they're ranked fourth in the country. I mean, is that a team that you could very well see Pitt versus Louisville in a national championship? I mean, we saw them face off last year with with those incredibly high stakes. So essentially what I'm asking is, is it a cause for concern that Pitt lost to Louisville or is Louisville just that good? It's less of a concern that they lost to this Louisville team because it's a very strong team. I mean, they lost their, their best outside hitter in Claire Chasse who graduated, but there's still so much talent there that yes, they are still a top four team, as you mentioned, number four in the country right now. And it showed offensively. I mean, the, the attack is, is still there. They hit 388 for the match against Pitt, which if you, you do the classic compare hitting percentage to batting average, if you're hitting 388, you're doing great. Uh, not to mention hitting more than 500 in the final set. And this is against a Pitt defense that has been one of the best in the country, that still leads the nation in blocks, that it does a great job of keeping the ball off the floor. And yet Louisville was able to to find the angles and get 21 kills in the final set. Like I said, that that's a credit to Anna DeBeer, but also Kara Cressy and Charity Looper on the Louisville side. So it's less about that they couldn't beat this team and just more of a concern that it's a bugaboo that they are having trouble beating Louisville many times. You know, they were they were able to beat Louisville at home last year, but then got swept in Louisville last year and then lost that five-setter in the national semifinal. So there, there's something there where it's just clear that Louisville has a bit of a step above Pitt. They, they're just a, a little bit uh, sharper than Pitt in these moments, that they're, they're maybe getting you know, outcoached a little bit. It takes a lot to outcoach Dan Fisher, <laughs> but Danny Busboom Kelly for, for Louisville, the national coach of the year last year, is able to you know get this group to the national title game a year ago, and certainly has the potential to do it again this year. Um, I'm not a, a former volleyball player. I don't have a lot of the, the tactical keys that would uh, you know be the key for Pitt to turn it around in the rematch. But I can say that this is something that Pitt might be able to be on the upswing for this year and for next year, as we see. Most of Pitt's roster, you know, come back. It's still a young roster with a, with a lot of young hitters like Olivia Babcock and Tori Stafford carrying the load. As those hitters kind of continue to develop and become better in all six rotations, then we might see a swing around where maybe Pitt has the edge on Louisville, and it's it's a little more on on their side. But it hasn't happened yet, and the the sweep down there in Kentucky just kind of shows that Louisville still has a step ahead of Pitt's program at the moment. 
Yeah, certainly unfortunate if you're a Pitt fan to hear that. But at the moment, it, it certainly does seem to be that way outside of that one match, as you said, last year. Uh, but uh, again, as we'll mention in just a little bit, Pitt will have another opportunity coming up and then perhaps more uh, in the future with postseason play coming up. Uh, there were a handful of other matches since we last spoke. In the ACC, Pitt has been dominant. So if you take out Louisville, you take out Georgia Tech, two of the top teams in the country, one was a win, one was a loss. You look at all the other matches, and Pitt has literally not allowed any, any single set to be won by another ACC school. Uh, three nothing wins, straight sweeps over Duke, North Carolina, Boston College, Syracuse, Clemson, Notre Dame, Virginia, and NC State. Eight ACC programs that Pitt just wiped the floor clean with. Uh, straight dominance. I mean, what did you see out of those matches, if there were any specifics in individual matches, but then also collectively what Pitt has been able to do against most of the conference this year? Well, collectively, it, it still kind of shows that there are just these tiers in ACC volleyball that there have been for the last few years. It's Pitt and Louisville up at the top. It's Georgia Tech down below. And then, you know, a, a school might pop its head out and kind of be a top 25 squad, a, a Miami some years and a Florida State some years. But then there's everybody else. And while we're able to see some signs that the depth of the conference is better than it has been in years past, it's just clear that Pitt is head and shoulders above the rest of the conference and are, are able to, as you put it, have the, in their first 10 conference matches, have eight sweeps. That's just incredible. And even in their most recent match, going down to Raleigh to face NC State, you know, this was an NC State team that looked excellent against Louisville, that was able to beat the Louisville team that Pitt could not and have a really strong attack in doing so. And so you had to, going into the match against NC State, say, this is going to be a tough one. NC State's been strong offensively, and you got to look out. They did not look it, Corey. <laughs> NC State was hitting negative for the match. Pitt's block was as sharp as ever. They outblocked NC State 14 to 3, outdug them, outplayed them in every stretch of the match, and kind of reasserted that they are still among the top flight of the ACC, and they're not going to let some of the more up and coming teams like NC State take that away. And I think that's really important, especially as we head towards the next few matches, because it's kind of a, a step up, a, a little bit of a, a climb in terms of opponent quality leading back to playing Georgia Tech again in Atlanta, leading back to playing Louisville again. So you can, you can win the matches, notch the victories, improve your RPI, but it's most important to make sure that you're at your strongest in November when you're getting some of these rematches and some of these tougher matches. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that for so much of conference play at this point, the the way that Pitt has developed as a program, most of conference play now basically just tune-up matches. I mean, it, it's kind of amazing <laughs> yeah. when you think about it. And like, no disrespect to a lot of these programs and the conference and all that. It's just more of a testament to how great Pitt is and also how top-heavy uh, the ACC is in that for so many of these teams, it is just about getting yourself right and making sure the team's in the best spot so that when you play those huge matches, uh, you're going, you're going to be in the best possible position to succeed. And every conference has that to some extent, obviously some are better and, and deeper than others. 
Um, but certainly at the top, uh, I mean, even in a conference like the Big Ten, you know, Nebraska and Wisconsin, they're for most of the Big Ten, they're just running right through them. That's just kind of how it is. There are a handful of teams every year that are just so much better than almost everyone else. And Pitt fans are lucky that Pitt seems to be one of them in these last few years. And we may see that change a little bit starting next year uh, with Stanford and Cal coming into yep. the ACC. I mean, certainly Stanford has been one of the best teams in the country. Cal is, is always strong in a difficult Pac-12 conference. So it, it, it's those schools coming in, it's SMU coming in, and it's the others that are going to have to step up and say, all right, where do we fit in all of this? Are we going to be one of the teams that can finish in the top half of this conference? Because in in the volleyball world, there is the potential for it to simply be, here's the Big Ten and here's everybody else. You know, We'll, we'll yeah. get some years where maybe the Big 12 is stronger or maybe the SEC adds a little strength with Texas or maybe ACC steps up. But we it would be difficult and I wouldn't want to see the all of division one volleyball kind of stratified in that way where it is the big 10 and then there's everybody else i want the acc to be seen as you know maybe the the second toughest conference in the nation to be a step above the sec and the big 12 however it all shakes out in the volleyball world um it's it's funny how everybody talks about how football is affected by realignment. I'm looking at all these changes. How is volleyball going to be? Yeah, I know, right? Like you want you want the ACC to pick up Washington State because they're you know add them in volleyball. Exactly. It's like, oh, where's Wazoo going to end up in football? Where's they going to end up in volleyball? We're talking about a top ten team right now. Uh, what my brain has become following this sport, but it but it will be interesting and it is important because it affects who is seen as a you know a top four contender to host through the top four rounds who is seen as a top 16 contender to host in the opening round. So that conference strength is important. Um, it means a lot for RPI. It means a lot in the decision-making process for the tournament. So we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. But you're right. In, in terms of the here and now, it is still Pitt showing themselves to be uh, the class of the ACC. And even when there are strong ACC opponents against them, it's, it's not been enough to really to counteract that. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break, be back talking about some of the individual players and performances we've seen from this pit volleyball team, some upcoming matches, and of course, those rematches against Georgia Tech and Louisville. And then, of course, uh, some big news that pit volleyball just got looking ahead to next year. Uh, stay with us. You're listening to Olympic Gold and Blue on the Pit Talk Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Okay, we are back here on Olympic Gold and Blue. I'm Corey Cohen. I've got with me James Santelli. Uh, James, some some players that have really stood out in, in these last few weeks. We've seen what seems to be recurring honors for Olivia Babcock, repeatedly ACC Freshman of the Week. Rachel Fairbanks, repeatedly ACC Setter of the Week. What can you say about those two players and what they're able to do in this conference that has a lot of talent at Louisville, at Georgia Tech, that they're able to repeatedly get these all-conference honors? Well, Olivia Babcock has shown to be everything that Pitt was hoping for from one of the top recruits in the country. From the attacking side, she just has one of the strongest arms in the country and is already very smart about picking apart a defense and, and getting good shot selection. And then even beyond that, getting up in the block and, and being smart about that. Uh, the jump serve that kind of will cause the whole crowd in the, in the Fitzgerald field house to, to stop and take those like, what is that jump serve? And then, you know, playing all six rotations and uh, being effective in, in serve, receive and passing is, is wonderful to see. And then Rachel Fairbanks, we're, we already know the score with her. We're, we're talking about one of the best all around players in the nation and what's been interesting for me to watch the last couple of weeks is as Pitt and Coach Fisher have moved between uh, a 5-1 and a 6-2 offense between using two setters and between just using Rachel Fairbanks as a setter you know, all throughout the court, is she doesn't seem to miss a beat whether it's you know, one or the other. Um, if it's that she's the setter throughout the match, it's all right, cool. You know, I'm, I'm going to set up my offense and have the best, you know, put the best foot forward for all of them. But she will be the first to tell you she loves to hit. She loves to be on the right side and get the opportunity to score points. Or when they go to a 6-2 and give some of the setting opportunity to Haiti Tautua or to Alexis Akeo, she is able to help the offense in, in another way. So it's, just that smooth operation, no matter what sort of offensive attack that Pitt is looking at, that has been very impressive. And I also want to give kudos to Emma Monk, uh, the grad transfer from Michigan State. She has been a huge part of Pitt having the number one blocking team in the nation right now. And when Bree Kelly, the Florida transfer, went down with injury, you had to look around and see, okay, what is this Pitt block going to look like? And it hasn't missed a beat. I mean, she is not just a tall blocker out front, but incredibly athletic, can be incredibly physical, and is now fourth on the team in kills. She, she is very steady, you know, down the middle from those quick sets from Rachel Fairbanks and getting the points that Pitt needs when they're setting the middle. So it's been incredibly impressive that Pitt has, you know, lost one of their most talented players to injury and yet still been – uh, as sharp as they have and been the top blocking team in the country and getting uh, a high hitting percentage from their middle. Yeah, it's been wildly impressive. And as you said, not much of a surprise, but uh, certainly welcome uh, if you're Dan Fisher, if you're a Pitt fan, all the above. Uh, you mentioned health and injury. There was one pretty big scare that Pitt got recently, and that was an injury to Tory Stafford. Uh, key player for this squad uh, exited with an injury, but since we since that happened, there has been one more match prior to recording this, uh, and it seems 
like Tory staff, like Pitt is out of the woods. People can take a big exhale. It seems like she's okay. I mean, what, what's your read on it from your perspective? It, it's exactly that. Um, as you laid out, Tory came down very awkwardly on her ankle in the Virginia match. And to me, watching it, it had shades of Bree Kelly's injury coming down around the, the same point right in front of the net, rolling her ankle. And it was just this, oh, no, here we go again. And Tori was out for the rest of the Virginia match. They didn't need her. They, they steamrolled Virginia. Um, but it was seemingly going to be a major loss because you're talking about the player who's not only second in kills, but also stepping in as a freshman and also playing all six rotations and giving Pitt that opportunity to you know use their substitutions elsewhere and making big strides in server receiving in all facets. And even though she hasn't brought the same ultra-powerful swings that Olivia Babcock, the fellow SoCal freshman on this team, has, it, she's been incredibly effective. And it was not clear how she was going to be replaced if Pitt was going to have to give more time to, uh, say, Juliana Dalton on the outside, or maybe Kat Flood or Blair Bayless or, or somebody who could, you know, fill that gap for Pitt. All talented players, all of them deserving of an opportunity, but it's it's just better that Pitt is staying, you know, consistent with Tori Stafford, who seems all good to go. It didn't it didn't look as though um, they were putting her on any sort of lighter duty against uh, NC State. So hopefully that continues and that Pitt can stay injury free through into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I know people definitely were holding their breath uh, on that one, but. Certainly seems to be okay following that NC State match. So coming up in these next couple weeks, Pitt has matches against Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Florida State, Miami before two big rematches. In any of those four, do you see uh, – I don't want to – this sounds so arrogant, but like, do you see a particular challenge for Pitt in any of those four, or do you think they'll be able to just take care of business against against all four? I, I could see a little bit of a challenge, uh, particularly from Wake Forest this Sunday. Again, this is a team that took Louisville to five sets. They actually won the first two sets against Louisville, and uh, Louisville needed a major charge at home uh, to come back and, and to beat Wake Forest. And then Florida State and Miami, both of them, you know, nothing to sneeze at. I think Miami swept Georgia Tech on their home floor and Florida state took a very good Florida team, the distance. Uh, so these are better ACC opponents than the ones for the most part Pitt has faced so far this season. They're it's, it's not going to continue to be the, you know, sweep everybody, but Louisville and Georgia tech that it has been so far. I'm, I'm expecting that Pitt is going to probably lose a set or two throughout all this. Um, but, it's still a, a top 10 pit team. It's still, you know, a more talented, a more complete team than I see from any of their opponents. And hopefully they will be able to continue to roll through the conference all the way into, into facing Georgia tech and Louisville once again. Yeah. So pit fans, if you're listening, don't freak out if Pitt drops a set here or there, it's okay. It, not everything's going to be a clean sweep. So after that, in, in a few weeks' time, Pitt will have back-to-back -back a huge match against Georgia Tech and then a huge match against Louisville. 
what are you expecting for both of those? Obviously, Pitt already beat Georgia Tech. Might be a little bit tougher this time down in Atlanta. And then Louisville lost. But then this time it's going to be back in Pittsburgh at the Peterson Events Center. What are you expecting from those two huge rematches? Well, I'm hoping to see against Georgia Tech a Pitt defense and a Pitt block that comes out stronger than it did in the first match that doesn't allow all of these sort of early and quick kills that Georgia Tech had. I think that hopefully Pitt sort of figured things out in the last few sets of the previous match against the Yellow Jackets and can kind of deploy that in Atlanta and get that win. Against Louisville, it's tough to see, and I would rather – you know, set my expectations lower and be surprised rather than the the inverse. Um, it, it's still that Louisville team that Pitt has trouble beating on a consistent basis. And even though Louisville has uh, faced some trouble against some other ACC opponents, we mentioned earlier, losing to NC State, uh, nearly losing to Wake Forest and dropping the first two sets, it still seems like Louisville is going to be the toughest defensive opponent that Pitt has faced so far and it's going to require maybe a little bit of that home court advantage coming in I know Pitt has has made a lot of uh, statements put a lot of marketing and PR push into making it the the largest volleyball crowd in program history even the athletic director Heather Lake has put out the bat signal and said be there on Saturday November 18th to to break that record and and hopefully that all comes to be because it, it does have a, a huge effect. We saw, I think, 11,000 people at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville for that match against Pitt. There's no doubt that it makes a difference in these, in these tight sets and these tight matches. So hopefully we get a, a big crowd, maybe a, a record setter. They would have to go above 5,200 that Pitt had against Penn State a few years ago to break that record. And that can maybe turn the tide a little bit because it can make a difference in these in these close contests for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Pitt wants a, a huge crowd there at the Pete on November 18th, as you said, sort of matching the energy down in Louisville at the KFC Yum Center. Can't forget the exclamation point when <laughs> highlighting. It's the panic at the disco of College Arena. <laughs> absolutely. Panic at the disco. KFC Yum Center. Yum Center. <laughs> Gotta love it. Um, So one more thing before we go, and then we'll be back in a couple weeks to talk all about those matches, to talk about this program as they make their way toward the postseason, all that. But we got some big news in uh, shortly within 24 hours prior to recording this podcast. And that is that Valeria Vasquez Gomez, one of the key players for this pit volleyball squad, is coming back for her fifth season. Uh, It will be her sixth year, but it'll be her fifth season playing. And her first was that COVID year that didn't count against anyone in terms of eligibility. So. This obviously is completely optional to all players that played in 2020 uh, 2020 with COVID. They could choose to come back. They could not choose. Well, we heard the decision. Valeria Vasquez-Gomez will come back next year. How huge is that for Pitt Volleyball to have her experience at that position back for another season next year? Well, it is huge, Corey, and we've... I'm certainly guilty of getting caught up in a, you know, a shiny new toy syndrome with your, you know, Olivia Babcock and Tori Stafford's and, and they've been very impressive, but let's, let's go back to Larry Vasquez Gomez 
who has been a six rotation player for this team that has been strong in all facets of the game. She's currently third on the team in kills. She's second in digs. She's second in service aces. Truly one of the most consistent, reliable, big moment servers that Pitt has had over the last few years. She brings all of that to the table and has also just become a leader for this team, somebody that the whole team can rally around. And the fact that she is able to come back for one more year really puts Pitt in one of the best positions it has had to compete for a national title. And that's saying something about a team that has been to the Final Four each of the last two seasons. But I think the amount of talent that they're going to be able to bring back next year with everybody that we already know about, with a healthy, hopefully, Bree Kelly, with potentially another transfer coming in and more freshmen. You know, every year it seems like Dan Fisher is bringing in even more talented and stronger recruits than the year before. Um, it seems like Pitt, at least from a roster standpoint, with Vasquez Gomez coming back for her final year, this is going to be one of the three or four most talented rosters in the country coming into next year. Um, you have to consider Nebraska to be next year's preseason number one. They're currently number one, and they don't have a senior on the roster. So potentially everybody is coming back without any transfers or any you know roster changes like that. And then after that, it really could be that Pitt is the, the second or third most talented team in the country, and you get – these you know freshman players into their sophomore year more time to coalesce more time to be around one another you get a, a senior Rachel Fairbanks running the show etc you know I could go on and on but suffice it to say it all lines up incredibly well for Pitt next year and what will be the final season at Fitzgerald Fieldhouse before they move into the the new arena across from the Peterson Event Center uh, name yet to be determined I'm sure there's still uh, looking for some sort of deep-pocketed donor. I was going to say, and, I'm sure there's a bidding war between some corporations and some individual donors <laughs> on who gets the naming rights. Uh, yes, exactly. So so to be determined what the name and eventually the nickname will be. But in, in the final year at Fitz, um, you have the opportunity to do something great. And it, it was already going to be the case before we knew well, what the status was going to be of Larry Vasquez-Gomez. But the fact that she just brings such strong all-around play and continues to improve in a lot of aspects of the game and continues to be a reliable source of scoring, digging, and, and serving as well for this team, it just sets up very well for Pitt um, heading into the future. Well, a whole lot to be excited about next year, but obviously still so much coming up this year for Pitt Volleyball, and we will have that for you again, a new episode in just a couple of weeks here uh, of Olympic Gold and Blue. We'll be back next week to talk Pitt soccer, uh, and uh, yeah, just thrilled to be able to talk about all the exciting Olympic sports that Pitt has going on at the moment. James Santelli, thank you so much for joining me yet again uh, on this episode to talk pit volleyball, please tell the listeners where they can find you, follow you and, and check out your work. Absolutely. I am at James Santelli on X formerly Twitter. And that's where I usually put a lot of my uh, uh, pit volleyball posting also on Instagram with uh, some sights and sounds inside the field house at James Santelli. And uh, of course, a, a plug for my day job, uh, running communications for rad, the Allegheny regional asset district 
You can always find out uh, what we're doing and where some of your rad tax money is going at radworkhere.org. So we appreciate that. Uh, very cool stuff. So uh, that will do it for this episode of Olympic Gold and Blue. Again, we'll be back next week talking soccer, back in a couple weeks talking volleyball. We've got football unscripted coming at you at the beginning of the weeks talking about pit football. We've got Panthers Pathway coming later in the weeks to preview games. So much going on here at the Pit Talk Network. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to Pit Talk Network to have episodes sent right to you as soon as they are dropped. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen, and you can follow Pit Talk Network at Pit Talk Network. Again, James Santelli, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Olympic Gold and Blue right here on the Pit Talk Network.